Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Today we honor our veterans, and they're certainly worthy of honor. But my message is not about veterans, but the thought is so applicable. I want to address this thought, short memories. Now, I've come to the conclusion that I have a great memory. It just doesn't last very long. But I have a great one. Seriously, I think we would all realize that in many ways... We have short memories. Today we honor God, our country, our vets. And God is the only perfect one. Our country's not perfect. It's got its flaws. It's got its challenges. And there's not a vet here today that would tell you that they were perfect, but we do honor them. Because we would not be the country we are today if they had not served. If you had not served, I was beginning to think as people were coming up that we were going to have nobody left out there. Thank you. And we do have our issues. But if you'll notice that we don't have many people begging to leave. Do I need to use my handheld? Now is that Please do or please don't. Use hell now? Oh, okay. They're trying to work on it. You know, it used to be they said when Satan got kicked out of heaven, he landed in the choir loft. Now we say he landed in the sound booth. <laughs> Especially since, uh, uh, let me have mine, we won't go there. <laughs> One of our founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, reminded the Continental Congress as they were meeting to sign the Constitution. It says, in the beginning of the contest with Britain, when we were sensible with danger, we had daily prayers in this room for divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. Then Franklin asked the delegates there. At this time, Franklin was 81 years of age. He asked the delegates or made this statement, have we now forgotten this powerful friend, or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? Ben Franklin was the one that instituted prayer in our government. Ben Franklin was not known as a Christian. Matter of fact, he was one of the three signers that were not church members. But it seems very evident that he certainly believed in God. He went on to say, I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see 
This truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is, is it possible or probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this. I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided by our little partial local interest and our projects will be confounded and we ourselves shall become a reproach and a byword down to future ages. And what is worse, mankind may hereafter from this unfortunate instance despair of establishing government by human wisdom and leave it to chance, war or conquest. I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers employing the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed with business. James Madison, the chief writer of the Constitution, said this, without the natural intervention of Almighty God, we would ne have never had a Constitution. And yet there are people that say that God needs to be left out of our deliberations, that God needs to be taken away from so many areas. But I'm so thankful that our founding fathers were smart enough, they were spiritual enough to say we need to depend upon the Almighty God. Now before I leave this point, there's another quote from Ben Franklin that I wanna share. Marcia and I were very privileged to this week to attend the 90th birthday celebration of a co-founder of Liberty University of a friend of ours by the name of Elmer Towns. Elmer Towns has written almost 250 books. And as he shared with us, he made a statement. He said, now we need to learn how to write things down. The very next day when I came home, I ran across this quote from Ben Franklin that kind of ministered to me. It says, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you're dead and rotten, either write these worth, either write things worth reading or do things worth writing. We need to take that as a challenge to do things that are worth writing. Throughout our history, there have been numerous rallying cries. Remember the Alamo. Remember the Lusitania. Remember Pearl Harbor. And more recently, a phrase, we will not forget. But guess what? It appears that many have forgotten. Our memories are often very short. But that's nothing new. Trace the formation of the nation of Israel and you will find out something that they soon forgot. They had just been brought out from Egypt. They had been slaves. 
They were crying out to God for deliverance. They'd been praying to God for deliverance because they were so mistreated as slaves and in bondage. But after they encountered some problems, their short memory said, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. And that seems to be a cry that many of us have when things go wrong. Let's go back. But you can't go back. But we need to remind ourselves of the blessings of God. Solomon may have said it best shortly after he became king and they built the new temple. As he dedicated the temple, he gave some great words that we hear often, especially around election times. If my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then they'll hear from heaven and God will heal their land. Now, why did he need to say that? Because Israel had forgotten God. They had forgotten all the accomplishments that had happened up until then. And he said, we need to remind ourselves that we have to turn back to God. Now, I know a lot of you may be here and say, well, pastor, that's Old Testament. That's true. It's Old Testament. But you know, the book of Galatians differs in several ways from the other books or letters that Paul wrote. But there's one major difference that you may not have noticed. Romans says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Corinthians starts out, I give thanks always to my God for you. Ephesians says, blessed be the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Philippians says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Colossians says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 1 Thessalonians says, we give thanks to God always for all of you. 2 Thessalonians, we ought always give thanks to God for you brothers. So you get the idea in almost every one of his letters. Right after the salutation, or maybe in the salutation, he says, I thank God for you. But note what he says to the church at Galatia. Galatia chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I am astonished. The King James Version uses the word, I marvel. The Living Bible says, I'm amazed. But what it literally means is, I wonder greatly. Paul says, I wonder greatly. Another way of saying, how can you forget? How can you forget? And the reason we forget is sometimes we have short memories. Let's continue reading that passage. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ 
and are turning to a different gospel. Now, was he talking about people were turning to a different Christ? No. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking the approval of a man, or for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. What was Paul telling them? He said, you're preaching another gospel. It wasn't another Christ. It wasn't uh, something totally outlandish. They had just forgotten. Their memories were short. They had forgotten the message that Paul had shared with them. Well, what was the message that he preached to that church and he preaches to each one of us today that we're saved by faith through the grace of God? It's not of works lest any man should boast. If you read the rest of it, you'll find out that Paul goes on to give his qualifications. His qualifications to rebuke the church at Galatia. Now, what was he rebuking them for? Because they had forgotten that grace is one of the major differences between Christianity and religion. See, almost all religions want you to be better. Almost all religions tell you some things you shouldn't do. But we need to understand something. Religion is man seeking God. Let me say that again. Religion is man seeking God. And religion tells you if you get good enough, you can make it. If you work hard enough, if you give enough, and it depends on which religion you're following. But it's always invo- it involves working for salvation. Religion is man seeking God. But Christianity is God seeking man. There's a major difference. Jesus came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek man because we had sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he tells us throughout the New Testament that the only way we can be saved is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not through our works. If you continue to read the Galatians, you'll get down to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Foolish. Now, for the Jewish culture, that was an extreme slap. That was some strong language. Remember what Jesus said? You don't tell, call anybody a fool. But he said, oh, foolish Galatians. That word foolish means an unworthy lack of understanding. Sometimes carrying a moral reproach. In, cro- in contrast, 
instead of being foolish Galatians and not understanding, he tells us to be sober-minded. To be sober-minded are not being foolish and not associated with evil desires. If you go on down to verse 6 of chapter 3, it says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham, and the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by works? No, but by faith. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by the, all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now what in the world was he saying? He's saying that if you violate one of those laws, then you're guilty of all of them. Now it is evident that no one is justified by God before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. I was getting so excited a while ago when we were singing that song that talks about the, about the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God that we have. It's not by our works. I'm saved because God redeemed me. I am trying to be a good man because I'm trying to represent Christ, not because I'm obligated to obey certain rules and regulations, but it's Christ that lives in me. That's the message that Paul was saying. He said, you foolish people. You foolish people. See, the entire book of Galatians is Paul's defense of justification by faith alone. See, you have some parallels. You have the true gospel. You have the false gospel. You have faith. And you have works. You have law, you have grace. You have liberty, you have legalism. You have sonship and you have slavery. You have the works of the spirit and you are the works of the flesh and you have the works of the spirit. All on the opposite sides of the spectrum. All comparisons. Now I know some of you grew up in the assemblies of God. Now you may not have grown up in the church that I grew up in, but when I was growing up, we needed to get saved at least once a week. I'm proud to be a, a, a member of the Sims of God. I'm proud of my upbringing. But I'm so glad when I begin to understand that it was, I wasn't saved because how good I could be. I was saved because Jesus Christ lived in me. Amen. And because he lived in me, he enabled me to try to and better be a good man. So book about the true gospel or the false gospel. Faith that works. Now, you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. You, it, you're making, you're simple, oversimplifying things. How many knows that the Bible says if you're guilty of one sin, you're guilty of all of them? Amen. Huh? Isn't that what it says? Amen. Have any of you, now, I know 75 is always full. 
So let's forget about 75. How many of you sometimes drive on another interstate and for some reason, all of a sudden, everybody starts slowing down and they starts backing up and you say, what's going on? Is there an accident? Well, you find out once that highway patrolman exits. <laughs> because they're all making sure, myself included, hey, if I see a highway patrolman, I want to make sure I'm obeying the law. But how many knows if they really wanted to, they might could find you in violation of something? You didn't turn your blinker on early enough. You didn't turn your blinker on off early enough. Now, for those of you that don't know anything about what a blinker is, that thing's still on the side. <laughs> and I, you know what I'm saying? It's the natural tendency when we think I'm afraid of breaking the law. And that's what legalism is when people get bound and are afraid. There was one rule of thumb, me going up, if it was fun, it's sin. It's almost like, you know, the easiest diet in the world, if it tastes good, spit it out. I know some of you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you telling us that we can do anything and everything that we want to do? No. Because let's read on as he talks about us being heirs of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you have had any kind of inheritance from your family? Any of you had any kind of inheritance? Okay, some of you. Well, my folks died, I owed them money. <laughs> no, not really, but almost. How many of you would have gotten an inheritance if there was a stipulation that you had to have been perfect? You wouldn't have got one, would you? Why did you get one? Because you were an heir. Now, did you do anything to deserve that? Did you do anything on your own work to deserve being an heir? No, it's because you were born into the family. And when we become a Christian, we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But how short is our memory? Let's go to chapter 5. Verse 1, I'm going to read this slow, because some of you read slow and think slow. No, I, not that. Because we may misunderstand it. We may misread it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. What's it mean? When we become a Christian, we are been set free to become the person God desires us to be. Now, you say, well, wait a minute. That, what about all those rules and regulations and all those things of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live? Does this, does this give us a license to sin? No, 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 no. Drop down to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers... Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you have not been consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, but if you're led by the Spirit, but if you're led by the Spirit, you say, wait a minute, I'm not led by the Spirit. If you're a child of God, that opportunity is yours. I said that opportunity is yours to be led by the Spirit. You're not under the law. And Paul was saying, you bunch of foolish people. You've got short memories. Do you think that once you were saved, once you started in the Spirit, that now you can become working and earning that salvation in the flesh? He said, that's foolish. That's another gospel. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, what's he saying? Things like these we want to refrain from doing. Because that means that we're following the flesh, not the spirit. Right? You got that? Oh, foolish Arcturians, do you got that? We can't. Please God by working in the flesh. We please God by walking in the spirit. He said, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's talking about those things in the spirit. And I know some said, well, wait a minute, pastor. You said that if we're walking in the spirit, we don't have to worry about the rules and regulations. Because if you're walking in the spirit, guess what you'll do? You'll produce the fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I know some of you may be like me. Any of you ever watch Gomer Pyle, USMC? That's a good day for today, you know, for all you military guys. Maybe that might have been the reason God let me flop my physical. I could have never gotten that march down. I'd have been another Gomer pile. I always had a step. But he says, if, if we're walking in the Spirit, we'll always be in step with God. And those who belong to Christ Jesus how crucified the flesh with the passion and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Drop down to chapter 6, verse 6. Let the one who has taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will also reap. In other words, if you sow to the flesh, what are you going to do? You're going to reap to the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap of the Spirit. Reap of the Spirit. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now you say, okay, pastor, what are you saying? I believe we need to remind ourselves that we've got short memories. We need to remind ourselves that there goes I, if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God. We need to remind ourselves what God has brought us out of and brought us into. We need to remind ourselves how faithful God is to each of us. And that we'll never be good enough. Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, this is my super simple definition. I'm not sure if it will meet with some of your educational criteria. But in my opinion, I think of Jesus Christ being the glory of God. How many thinks that Jesus Christ is the glory of God? How many know you ain't got there yet? We all come short of the glory of God. We've all come short of the glory of God. And guess what? You're going to continue to come short of the glory of God. Why? Because as long as we're in this old flesh, we're going to sometimes stumble and do the works of the flesh. But the challenge is, Brother Brown, is to keep on walking in the Spirit. The challenge is to keep our memories sharp and remember where God brought us from. Our our challenge is that we need to remind ourselves that our memories are not very good. And we need to ask God to remind us. Some of you are old enough to remember an old Dottie Rambo song. My wife and I used to sing it back in the dark ages. It says, nothing good have I done to deserve God's own son. I'm not worthy of the nails in his hands, but he chose the road to Calvary to die in my stead. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord, roll back the curtains of memories now and then. Show me where you brought me from. And maybe some of you are a lot like me. You know, I I wasn't steeped in such depths of sin like a lot of people. But the next verse kind of brings us all inclusive. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Many of us may have been one drug from becoming addicted and God kept us from it. Look where God's brought me from and where I could have been. 
The song goes on and says, remember, I'm human. And humans forget. Remind me. Remind me, dear Lord. That's what communion's all about, isn't it? Worship team, come on up. Communion is about reminding us that we could not pay the sin, a penalty for our sins. Jesus paid it once and for all. It was his blood. It was his sacrifice. It was his resurrection that enabled us to be saved. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. And Martin Luther led the Reformation. Actually, this past week was a celebration of that. The 31st of October and the 1st of November is when it took place. They were nailed to the door on October 31st. 1517 people saw them on November the 1st 95 theses and over two thirds of those 95 reasons had to do with works had to do with indulgences and Martin Luther said we're not saved through our works we're saved through the grace of and the love and the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we ask you to remind us today. Remind us today of how great our country is. Remind us today of those people that have served this generation and previous generations so that we could meet here today without fear of repercussion. Remind us today that none of us are good enough to get into heaven on our own merit and that we're saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're saved and infused with your spirit so that you shall walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Remind us. Remind us. Remind us of it. And help us to give glory to you and honor to you. In Jesus' name. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.